Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Hunkered down in our um, shelter-in-place locations around the country, you're here with FNO InsureTech for another exciting, enthralling, interesting, and otherwise not boring episode of our podcast. I am... (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Not boring. Not boring. Oh, yeah. A, no, it's not. It's not boring. That's a good standard, isn't it? <laughs> yes. We make things that are not boring. Mm-hmm. It's a new tagline. Uh huh. It's kind of like we make things that don't suck, kind of yeah. phrasing. Yeah. Right. Hi, FNO Insurance. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In InsureTech, we don't suck. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's, that's Lee Boyd coming to you from Hi, Waco, everybody. Texas. Yeah. And, and I'm Rob Beller, who's, who's sheltered in place in Sacramento, California. You are. I How's am. that going, Rob? It's, you know what? Uh, we were just talking before we started recording about some of my problems I'm having with it. We have, we don't, we don't, uh, in my family all define it the same way. So we're having some, yeah. some, uh, internal strife over what's a proper shelter in place. But other than that, it's going well. The weather's well, been beautiful. Good. We've been outside a lot. In fact, I would go as far as saying we're outside more than we usually are. Yeah, we've gone on more walks as a family uh, than, than normal, that's for sure. In fact, I was telling my wife the other day, we were walking through the neighborhood. I had no idea that many children lived in my neighborhood. All these children <laughs> I've never seen because they're all at uh-huh. practices and schools and all these places. And I said, Christy, we, we have so many kids. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I was speculating with a customer this morning. We were talking about, you know, how things are today and how things will change. What what will it be like on the other side? And that's kind of an interesting yeah. question to ask yourself. Is anything going to really change from this? Will the world be different? Will society be different? Yeah, that that is a good question. Ask yourself. And uh, I I had stumbled upon a poem that I had read earlier, uh, and it was you know, it's talking about whenever you come out of this, you know, you know, what, what are you going to do? This is your time where you can, you know, come out of this and, and remember uh, these, these short time spans of when there were no sports and uh, you mm-hmm. were shelter in place and, you know, to come out and always try to remember that uh, to make the best of each day. Right. Right. So we, we wish that for everybody. We hope that you're all safe and sound. Um, who's listening to this today and yeah. and we're here really not believe it or not not to talk about all this uh craziness in the world but to talk about our guest our very special guest Mr. John Langowski from Swift. Yeah. I'm always very excited to talk to John. This is his second time to be on. Um Swift is a really interesting company uh in insure tech at heart. And um, I'm excited to get a visit with him about what he has done since the last time we spoke to him, almost uh, almost a, a year ago. Almost a year ago. And Swift is a direct-to-consumer uh, property insurance play, and they've had a lot of success. 
they leverage um, a variety of uh, data tools and insure tech tools to to do their business and they've enjoyed a lot of success and John is the chief claims officer who's been in, entrusted with building a claim department for an insure tech company from scratch and so he was in an entirely different state a year ago and we thought it would be interesting to hear from him again to talk about what it's like to build an insure tech claim department uh, from the inside so um, instead of us jibber jabbering on about Chit this chatting. instead of we don't want to be misheard <laughs> that's true uh-huh. it's a so, real word <laughs> with that said let's go to our interview with the man the myth of legend john langowski from swift hey everybody out there in hunkered down in your home land this is uh, another wonderful edition of FNO InsureTech. And today we have a very special guest, a veteran of the FNO Insurance, FNO InsureTech podcast, somebody who's been with us before. And I love the timing of this because we have lots of things to discuss, not only about um, his business, but what's going on in the world today, which, as we all know, is a little is a little unique. And that is John Langowski, Chief Claims Officer at Swift. How are you, John? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. Are yeah. you ready for this? Uh, oh, always. <laughs> With guns was blazing, a I think. I don't know. Was that a it was a sigh. sigh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought this was a, keeping this conversational, not something similar to a deposition, but... <laughs> Anyway, I'm guessing you're not going to have to sit in a lot of depositions these days. Uh, hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. I got a jury yeah. summons. What do you think about that? Did you really? Yeah. For, for April 10th. I mean, that's canceled, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Virtual don't trial. Know. Well, I don't <laughs> virtual maybe. trial. Virtual trial. I'm, I'm up for that. That gives, give us something to do at home. But, uh, yeah. but John, uh, welcome back. It's it's great to have you. Where where exactly do we find you today? So a year ago when we last spoke, um, I think I had been with Swift for maybe five months, six months. Mm -hmm. And um, so things are pretty new from the claims perspective. A lot of planning because we were using, uh, we we're outsourcing our claim selling, even though Swift had been in business for a couple of years bef before that. Historically, Swift had always outsourced to a TPA. So, so bringing me on board at that time, I think it was October of 2018, and the goal was create a claims organization, um, not not like any other, you know, not your traditional, typical claims organization you would find today with the structure and the tools and the processes. Um, you know, notwithstanding the compliance requirements that you have with each state, uh, it is 
build an organization that is reflective of an insure tech and how the insure tech does business on the front end, right? So, so, so Swift, um, you, you can ob- obtain a policy, you know, quote and bind online within minutes. You don't have to go through an agent to do that. You can do it yourself and it's minutes instead of hours or days. Uh, and anyone can quote an agent, can go on there and quote for a client or an individual can go and do it for themselves. And it's pretty slick when you can do that with a homeowner policy like you can with auto nowadays. Right. So the goal now is how do you match that experience on the claim side, right? So, so I, I go to Swift because of the experience, the ease of use. And then when I have a claim, I expect the same thing, right? Well, they, this is how they do business as a, as a whole. And it, it, it originally wasn't that way, um, right? So, so now as you grow and claims become, um, you know, more and more in count, and you know, you got capacity questions as to can you know, do I want to be outsourced through a TPA at, at all times? If you look at your traditional TPAs, um, you know, they're they're committed, dedicated to want to do the best they can, but sometimes they're just hamstringed by the tools and processes that they have to deal with, you know. So um, there's limitations there, and that's what we recognized. So where am I today? We we internalized our claims handling um, October of 2019. Wow, so that's a, that's a big change. It is a big change. So, yeah, so I had to create a, a claims organization from scratch, uh, including a technology ecosystem to process these claims from an insure tech's ability and resource focus. So um, that's where I am today. I think we are, we, you know, we, we did it intelligently with regards to a little bit at a time to make sure that, you know, the machine doesn't shake and we fail flat on our face when we go from nothing to all claims at once. So there was a little bit of a transition period. But as of January of this year, we take every claim in every state where we write business, including commercial claims uh, as well now. So um, and at the end of the year this year, um, there was we had a couple entities that were independent of each other. Uh, and we've created a holdings company at the end of the year now in December, and we now operate under one brand um, as one company. So now not only did I have to create a claims operation and ecosystem for Swift, but now I have to bring in all these other uh, books of business and, uh, and, and not integrate, but I guess more the word assimilate, if you will, um, under the same – ecosystem, same process, you know, uh, same everything, but more of it, right? So it's, so it's growing from a, a, you know, claims department and technology capabilities, right? And so now um, there are other things, you know, it's not just, you know, can I, can I receive a claim, process a claim, cut a check, send a letter? Um, how do I communicate um, more efficiently? You know, do, do I, I don't want to just throw people at it. So there's, there's all kinds of things that you want to consider. And all that time, the underlying intent is to, to map that experience to how everybody feels in the front end, right? It's pretty easy to stand up a claim system, just buy a claim system. And so here we go. I can process claims. Woo, I did it. Give me my medal. That's not really what it's about. 
Um, and so now this year we have to deal with catastrophes, right? So we have, we do have a lot of business in Texas. So we have the wind hail catastrophes we have to deal right. with now. And then of course, hurricanes, our business is now is much bigger than it was when Michael hit Florida. Um, so we, uh, or any hurricane that that's hit over the last couple of years. So we now have a very big size book that we don't have that TPA that we can lean on and blame. Uh-huh. Hey, this no. is your, it's, it's us now. <laughs> there's so the downside. Is, yeah. So there's, yeah. Now it's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. We're really going to be put to a test if something significant happens this year, as we've witnessed over the last couple of years. Can an insure tech versus a traditional, how can they respond and react to to catastrophes? It's interesting. Uh, I was sitting here thinking about Amazon and how, um, you know, all through the, the, the customer experience with Amazon, it it's it's mapped and and carried out similarly for example now when you return something to amazon as i'm sure many of us have experienced it's so incredibly easy it's almost as easy as as buying something from amazon and so that certainly carries over to what you're talking about i mean if it's that easy to to buy swift to, to to own a swift policy it should be similarly uh easy to to have a claim go through. Yeah, I think it's just a level of effort. What's the consumer's level of effort in the front end? And and it should be the same level of effort in the back end. So at Amazon, right, we order things, we just sit on a computer and we, we, we punch the button and, and there's really no effort into it other than that. And it's delivered to our, our, our doorstep. So the physical effort I have is I actually go out to my, my front doorstep and I grab my package. Um, the challenge, I think, for Amazon, is, as it is for us, is how do I make that level of effort the same in returning the package as I do in buying the package? There's got, what's the effort the consumer has to make? How many can, and if my effort's too great, um, then the consumer's not going to return it. That might be a good thing. But yeah. if then the consumer doesn't want to return it, they may say, you know what? I'm losing money because I don't money want to return it. That's exactly right. right. So you don't want to right. buy. Right. So you could just, yeah, you could relate that to the same with the claims experience too. You know, how much effort does a consumer, how many times do they have to call me to talk to me about their claim? I should be calling them or I should be sending them some other communication through some other media so they don't have to make a phone call so that my folks don't have to make a phone call, right? It's not just about the consumer, but I have to, you know, how much effort do my adjusters have to make? Um, sometimes, you know, the more effort the adjusters make, it causes more effort on the consumer, right? I got to send them a letter. Okay, now the consumer has to wait and get a letter in the mail. They have to read that letter. Why can't I just send them an email? Right. Uh, not, not every consumer has an email, right? So they don't want any more emails. How about a text? Well, there's a lot of consumers over the age of 60. They don't really necessarily want to do text. They still want you know, letters. So, so it's a real, you know, it's a, I, I admire Amazon um, for that. And if you if you can think back, and maybe just a couple of years ago, how you return that package has evolved a little too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Not, yeah, I mean, now I can go to the local gas station. When I get gas, I can just take my Amazon package and shove it in a locker. You know, so I can kill two birds with one stone. That's pretty cool too. So, so I like it, but they didn't start off that way. They kind of did it incrementally and they evolve over time, which is how we onboard our claims organization. But I think as an industry, that's, that's what we have to do too. I hear a lot about, you know, why, why isn't the industry adopting things right away? Well, it takes time, right? Evolution, um, you know, mutation. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and and, 
you know, John, I have a good question on that one for, for a, a year, you know, it's, it's been about a year since we talked and as a online seller of insurance, I would imagine you've, your company has probably learned about uh, a lot about the underwriting side. Um, I'm curious if you would be willing to talk about it. You know, whenever you were selling uh, policies a year ago, has there been any lessons learned on the underwriting? Have you all been able uh, to to streamline your underwriting, uh, you know, ensure more risk uh, you actually want to ensure, or were you already doing that all along? So we've learned a lot about the underwriting side. So we, I don't, we don't need, when I say alert, uh, a lot about underwriting, um, first, not, not too much about um, the data around that that location that we want to ensure, right? So we, we we have that licked for the most part. When 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 you sign up and you purchase that policy, I know just about everything about that footprint that there's data tied to real estate. I use, we use LIDAR technology, you name it. But then there's the questions that you don't ask other than your address and, and you don't get the information that you really need, right? So we don't ask about dogs. You can't get dog data from your house, right? I don't yeah. know how many dogs you have. Um, I, I, you know, and, and there are other things too that I, I just don't ask you about, but that's the, that's the whole point is, and that's the difference in, in the non-traditional thinking today with Swift versus the traditional is, you know, traditionally it's all about the underwriting. I always tell people claims are the victims of underwriting. And so however you underwrite Mm -hmm. is how your claims are going to turn out. So if Mm -hmm. you can perfect your underwriting, um, then you have a better claim claim experience. Yeah, well, not close (laughs) it, but you'll, you know, you'll you'll definitely, you know, you, what you write is what you get, you know? So that's what I always say. So, um, you know, there, we don't ask about prior claim history, Either, you know, so and and you don't necessarily have you do have ISO data and you have LexisNexis data out there that are tied to addresses, but the costs are phenomenal, right? So every time I somebody quotes a policy, I have to do an ISO or a LexisNexis check. And if you only have about a twelve or thirteen percent binding rate to quote, you can imagine all the money you would spend just to get 12 or 13 of that as actual bound bound business that you're getting premium for. So, so there's a lot of challenges there about, you know, claim history tied to these things. You know, how can we look that? But um, then you go into states and there's states that you can't deny somebody or affect their rates based on claim history. You can on some kind of claim history. So for example, weather related history, there's some states where I can't deny a claim or raise your premium because of weather related incidents. So even though I did get that claim information, doesn't really mean I can deny you or, or not write you or, or, or adjust your premium for it. Right. So, um, so we don't necessarily need that information unless they have a claim. Right? So that's, again, so there are some things underwriting-wise that you put on the shoulders of claims that claims had to deal with 20 years ago, but because of the way underwriting practices are, claims have seen less of it. But from a SWIFT perspective, we have to be more more studious, I guess, in some of the assessment of the losses as we get them. Yeah. Um, so some of the things that we've learned from underwriting is, is just those how do you how do you not ask a question other than what is your address and still get better underwriting results right so so that's been our that's been our lessons learned um, and, and so to, do you ask a couple more questions do you is there a characteristic of the property that sends a flag and if the the flag goes up do you ask two or three more questions so that's really our challenge is is how do you underwrite in our business model 
without disrupting our business model by asking them anything more than the address. And that's they been come our up, challenge. Have they come up or, or that's, that's a work in process is what you're saying. Yeah, it's always a work in process. Um, we, we, our goal is to stick true to form um, with regards to our business model. Just ask them where they live. We should know everything about that. And if we can't, if the data is not out there, which is usually the challenge, is how do you get that data? It's not available anywhere. Um, how do you protect yourself from that risk that you really don't want to buy? Dogs. So, you know, if you have a dog, you say, yes, it brings you down another path. So, you know, again, you don't want to ask too many questions because now you're going to turn into your traditional carrier. Um, you know, you're still, I think maybe you're still better off than your traditional carrier because you're not asking them, give me the square feet of your house. Give me this cost per square foot of your house. Tell me about your kitchen. Tell me about your countertops. Tell me about, you're not asking that. Um, so, you know, maybe if you eliminate 90% of what the traditional carrier, the traditional method is, you know, you're still streamlining that process. So those are questions that we ask ourselves when it comes to underwriting is we still want to be swift. This is what we still want to accomplish for our homeowners. But sometimes the things you really need, the data is not out there. So you have yeah. to ask the questions. Sure. And and that, that, that makes me think of this question, and that is you're in an increasingly – competitive space, direct to consumer insurance, uh, property insurance. Uh, and so part of the pressure I'm sure you're feeling beside the customer experience is, you know, what are the other guys doing and how are they doing it and how easy are they making it? There's several, there's several other providers of direct to consumer property insurance for the home. Is it, is it an increasingly competitive space? Is that part of what's driving you guys these days is, is the growth there to talk, talk about that part of it. So, you know, I, it, it, it's competitive out there in the industry, no matter what, it's, it's, it's really rate driven for the most part. So just to give you an idea, um, you, know, you don't, get in the frame of mind that there's this huge percentage of population in the U.S. Um, that desire to avoid the insurance agent, to, to avoid the brick-and-mortar location that they have to go to to make signatures or talk to somebody face-to-face -face or process something for them, that they would rather just do everything online. There really just is not a large population like that. Um, but it's going to get that way, and it's it's already heading that way. Um, the reality is, for for us, most of our agent, uh, most of our business is written through agency force. So independent agents write our business. They go online at www.swift.com, and they quote us, and they bind, and they the email or or provide a link to their their client to access their Swift policy and to pay. Um, and then the agents get commissions off of that. Um, and it takes them little to no time to quote and bind, very little to no paperwork and competitive commissions. So agents, agents love that because, uh, you know, our, our model is more appealing to an agent uh, as opposed to, to the individual. Um, we do have people that go direct with us, but, but really not that many, probably less than a percent of our business. Um, so it's, it's still amazing how society, how the community, they still, they still cling on to the traditional ways. And it's actually the agency force and others within the industry that benefit 
Um, and and that's how our and from the ease of use, and that's how our growth has really come about to be. I'm not sure what what the competitors are experiencing, but I, I would say that it's still driven by the agency force. We love our agents, and they're the ones that have really grown. So um, so it's really you know it's it's um, it's 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 um, uh, not was uh, was not our original intent, but it was something we learned over the years that um, it's the agents that that really enjoy the business model. The customers enjoy it when it comes to claims handling, but it's the agents because they're the ones that, um, you know, I mean, uh, out of all of us on the phone, when it comes up for a policy to buy a homeowner policy, how many of us still called our agent versus just going online and doing Swift or ABC or anybody else who, who provides this benefit online? Um, so most people still go. Yeah, and, and I think it's an awareness. Yeah, it's What's that? I just I just had that very experience where um, I you know I've been around I'm around all this stuff all the time so I've kind of become suspicious that I can do a lot better on my homeowner's policy. Yeah. But the first place I went, the first phone call I made was to my agent. So there you have it. Yeah. There you go. And yeah. I, I've been finding that across the board that um, the, I think the the industry is such a, a traditional machine that it's created a traditional kind of thinking. I think I, th- I think folks, your consumers nowadays, still think the insurance business is a traditional um, big build, big bank building with the white pillars, and I got to deal with an insurance agent um, all the time. What I, I get a crack out of, I think it's which bank is it? I think it's. Um, it's not Chase Bank. What's the capital? So now they're advertising like these brick and mortar places, but they're cool coffee shops. Oh, you go yeah. in there and hang out, but it's still it's still the same UI, if you will. It's I still go to brick and mortar place and I talk to somebody at the bank. I still don't do everything on my own, but but I've been banking online with my bank for twenty plus years, which is amazing yeah. too, right? So. Um, you have Venmo and Google Pay and Samsung Pay, yet when people think of the insurance industry, they don't think of it that way. So even if you have that technology available, the only folks that are that are adapting and adopting it, or adapting to it and adopting it, is is us, right? <laughs> right. So, anyways, um, and and how do you market as as a you know with this new way of thinking? This hey, you can. Bypass the agents. Well, you don't want to really advertise bypass the agents because it's really the agents driving the business for us. Right. But how do you compete with the marketing of State Farm and Liberty Mutual who who actually have their insurance agents as part of the commercial? They promote the insurance agent, right? So, so they still promote the traditional way of thinking that you need insurance agents and this is what the insurance companies are all about. And you know, except for Liber- we don't wear yellow shirts and, and walk around with ostriches like Liberty Mutual, but but otherwise, that's emus. Yeah, oh yeah, probably emus. That's right. The truth is, is that insurance is a relatively complicated transaction, and uh, we had on a uh, we had on a insurtech gentleman recently who runs an AI company, and he was talking about that he markets mostly to agents and brokers, big ones, and um. Insurance and and part of it's because insurance is very complicated. He's in the commercial insurance space, and as you move down the spectrum from personal lines to commercial lines and so forth, it gets you know far more complex and nuanced. But um, it's not like buying almost anything else. It's not like choosing a bank. 
which is, I think, far simpler or, or other finding or choosing a place to have your investments. It's, um, it's, it's way more nuanced. I think it's a lot harder because it's not just a short term purchase. It's not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buying something for the long call here. Now I can, I can renew it every year, but you know, how much coverage do I need? What is ALE? What is uh, content and other structure? Like it is difficult. And I think having that, that agent can help you. Now I like what you're doing. I like that, that you're able to, to hit them wherever people need to be hit and service them whenever they can. I think that's great. Uh, but yeah, I, I still think there's a value there. Um, you know, we talked to uh, the guys the guys from, from Glovebox. They're all ex-agents. We talked about the value of an agent and, and their, you know, the way that they can actually inspire uh, buying. It, it is still very, very important. And so, yeah, it, it's a tough world right now in the world of insurtechs and then traditional insurance. Yeah, the one thing I've learned over the last 12 months, just building out a claims organization from foreign insure tech, is you're you're trying to accomplish the now while seeking to change for the future. Yeah. And so, you know, as as we use this technology, it's what's the world going to be like? And I, I, maybe that's how the, that's how they build watches. You know, I, how many people? If you if you grab 20 people on the street and say, "Let me see what watch you're wearing," how many of them have smart watches, and how many of them have the old traditional watches? And of those traditionals, how many are analog, and, and how many are digital? You know what I mean? So, so maybe that's a, a good example of understanding. Hey, look, I'm building this smart watch, and they're still building better smart watches. Okay, now this one, if you put this one on, if you take this one off your wrist, you put it on the ground and you hit this button you can put your coffee pot on there or cook your coffee for you so you know that's that's what it's going to get to someday maybe but um how many people are actually buying that stuff up and when you do buy it is it because it's cool or is it because you need the functionality that's the other uh, aspect of technology right why do you buy that technology do you really need it you know so um you know, that's so we try to accomplish the now in the best way that we can, right? In the Amazon way almost. But what's the world going to be demanding in the future? And we need to align ourselves for that now. Right. Um, and, and that's what I think that to, to me, that's what insure tech is. But, you know, John, you, you had just said something there that made me think about other insure techs. Um, you know, am I buying uh, technology because I need it? You know, just, just exactly what, what you were saying. It led me into uh, a question about using technology on inspections. So for property homes, uh, I'm sorry, for, for property inspections, uh, we have all sorts of technologies. We have hovers and planners and uh, there's, there's drones and there's all these things. Uh, what are, what are you doing with all of that technology? Where, where are, are you at with that? So we're big about data, right? So um, ease of use in data. Data makes us smarter. That's what we use data in order to quote and bind, right? You, you give us the the address. We understand what the geo code is and everything attached to that, right? So so I need data. So so there are some fantastic solutions out there, but we they we we don't adopt them right now because they fall short in providing us data, right? So they'll say, well, if you use our app, you can do this, this, and that. Man, that is so cool, but how do I get that data into my system so I can digest it, aggregate it, and understand trends? Or how can I get that into my estimating software? Um, sitting in your app, it's your solution, but there's no integration, 
And they say, well, we can, we can email it to you. Oh, okay. You know how long email has been around since the 1990s, right? That's not a solution. So, so, so you have to be careful of that. We just talked about in the last couple minutes, what, what technology you're buying. There's some really great, you mentioned, you mentioned planer uh, is, is one of them. And, you know, I, I think that's up and coming, but I can't get the data. I, I can't, I can't do anything with it. It's, it, it, it does, it creates a, it solves a problem with its functionality, but it can't deliver to what I need to make my business better. It, it only solves half the transaction, right? So, um, and, and there's others out there just like that. And I, I you know, I, I think it's fantastic and I think they're going to figure that out someday, but drones, drones have been around for a long time. Um, you mentioned drones and we're looking at, I, I've never been a big drone fan because of it creates more problems than what it solves. But now, if you take software and put it on a drone, and now it's just not a, a flying camera, now it, it provides it provides a software and data that actually come back and teach us or tell us something. Now you've got now you've got useful technology, right? Now you got that smartwatch that can cook coffee for me. But and, and so we're looking at things like that too now. Um, so so there's lot, like I said, a lot of great technology. A lot of folks will adopt it, I'm sure. But you just have to, like I said, accomplish the now while planning or aligning yourself for the future or positioning yourself for the future. So um, I, I don't want to adopt something that I that's not ready yet either, right? So. Um, when it's ready, I think we'll we'll adopt it. But so, absolutely, there's there's tons of great solutions out there. You mentioned some. We use Hover. Uh, Hover has been a good partner for us, uh-huh. um, and and that's integrated with estimating systems. So very easy to use. It's a camera, uh, and anybody can use it, even the homeowner. And it comes right to me, and I get the data. I get I, I get everything imported to my estimate. It's a wonderful thing. Um, and the drone technology we're looking at, um, we're actually piloted. We just passed the pilot. We're actually going to roll it out. Um, and it tells me about wind hail damage uh, better than a human could. Um, there's some there's some things that it can't tell me that are still a head scratcher that I think will always be um, part of the subjective assessment. Um, but you can certainly start being more objective about what is wind and hail damage from a software technology data analytics perspective versus human eye. That you know is full. Uh, that, that's connected to a brain that's full of all kinds of opinions and experiences that may not be that may not be complete benefit to either the homeowner or the carrier. But um, so, so this is uh, you know I'm, I'm actually enjoying myself looking at this technology and figuring out okay you're not there yet if you can do this and that and help me with this we, we, then you've got a good piece of technology that not only solves the problem but uh, empowers me to provide the consumer the solution for their claim and, and gives me the data so I can continue to tweak my practices. But, it has um, to be, it has to be uh, kind of exciting and thrilling and scary and challenging and everything else uh, to, I know you've built claim departments before and expanded claim departments before, but you kind of have an obligation of sorts to make this a new age claim department. Uh, that, that's, that's part of your brand. Yeah, it it is. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier is I've got to replicate 
that experience that they have of an insured tech and getting the policy and how, how do I do that? So my obligation is, is how do I make SWIFT better? But you're right. I think all of us in the community here have an obligation to, to move our industry forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we absolutely do. But, but you know, technology is a wonderful thing. Um, you know, one more thing I'll say about that is uh, I think a great asset to really invest in from a carrier's perspective is first notice of loss also. You know, there's there's weather data out there. Um, what would happen if I turned in a claim and I said, I have a wind claim or a hail claim, and you give me the date and you give me your address, how many seconds or pieces of a second will it take me to take that data at FNOL, go get that, compare it to the weather data, and then bring it back and give me some kind of a probability of damage scoring or help me with the triage of that without without me having to take the FNOL, send it over to an adjuster desk. An adjuster has to figure out maybe on a, on a map or, or, or some, some other method that takes time to look up and figure out, did this really happen? Is, is this person really in the zone of impact? Is this, um, you know, th- there are so many things technology can do for us. But um, and 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 I, I appreciate that comment about it. it's really our obligation to the industry. Um, I think that's exactly right. I I have an opportunity to help pave the way, and I'll I'll do my darnest to to do that. But um, I've come across a lot of folks, a heck of a lot smarter, more capable than I am, out there. So it's it's a good time in the industry. I think we just have to be we just have to be patient, um, but never complacent. I guess. John, we're in the middle of this. We're in the middle of a pandemic, a event like we've never seen before, a reality like we've never seen before. In fact, many of us don't even quite know exactly what reality is yet. But it's it's an interesting lesson and uh, uh, opportunity to think about things from our side of the business, from the claim side of the business, from the catastrophe side of the business. What, let, let's talk for a few minutes about this catastrophe, this coronavirus catastrophe that we're in right now. What are, what are your thoughts on that about catastrophe planning? I mean, we're usually looking up at the sky for where our catastrophes are coming from, uh, not from surfaces that we shouldn't touch. And so give, give us your thoughts on, on what we're in the midst of now. Yeah, so so offline we were talking a little bit about this earlier. There, there was there's there's no there's um, no cat plan for this, um, which which is amazing because we've been dealing with the threat of terrorism um, for decades, right? So um, ever since nine eleven, at a minimum, where it's become a reality that it can it can be here in our in our country in our borders affecting us. And there's always been an imminent threat of, you know, some kind of nerve agent or uh, uh, germ warfare or something like that. So you would figure the federal government, if something like that were to happen, somebody opens up a canister in a subway or something you read out of a book or see a movie theater actually becomes reality. Okay, guys, what do we do? And it happens. And my own my own listening to it is is how I guess it. Um, when, the, for example, for us, when the hurricane hits the coast, okay, the planning's over. You have to react. You have to put your cap plan in, in place. Well, from what I've been hearing on the news, it doesn't really matter which channel you listen to. No one had a plan. No one had a cat team. <laughs> right? 
no one knew knew what actions to take place. No one knew threshold triggers. Okay, if you have this many claims, this is what you this is this is what you have to do. This is the resources you need, and this will be the impact of the infrastructure, and this will be the turnaround time. And the governor or the insurance commissioner will say, hey, um, you know, starts putting out bulletins about response time during through through hurricane versus what they normally require. Uh, there was nothing like that. They were still putting a cat team together for two weeks, and they fired half of them after the first week and replaced them with others. And um, then there was a, somewhat of a denial, and then there's a shortage of equipment, right? So, so not enough medical um, equipment, PPEs for for um, health, safety, and medical personnel. Uh, and then there was just um, no, weren't any testing kits, couldn't test for it, and um, et cetera, et cetera. So it was really a very poor planning on our part. And if, if it were a hurricane and it were a group of insurers, or even just one insurer who just didn't have a cap plan in place, it would probably be just, it, it would definitely be just as disastrous, right? You know, you cannot be putting together your cat team or making phone calls to folks. And we all know that that's that's happened in the past where you're getting a phone call after the fact saying, hey, I'm going to get like 6,000 claims. What do you have? Can you help me? <laughs> it's like, well, okay. You should have called me six months ago. We could have planned on it and you would have had to call me and we would have just made it happen. But so fortunately, unfortunately, this has happened uh, and, and hopefully, you know, we'll – um, the government will look at it and say, "I need a cap plan for something like this." This is this is becoming more and more of a reality. And the kicker is, this wasn't done intentionally by a terrorist act or warfare. This was done through natural cob, a bat bite that that affected the whole world. So, um, very humbling, something for us to consider. But um, yeah, no cap plan. Yeah, I, I think that's a great um, uh, metaphor for what's going on in our country right now, that there there isn't a cap plan every day. The plan evolves. Um, we have cap plans inside of our organization. Um, even if the, the cat is unique because it went into one place or another, or it's one cause or another, we, we have basic steps that we follow that are laid out. And I'm sure it's the same with you. You adjust to the uniqueness of, of the situation. And it, it certainly feels to me like that has not been the case here, but quite simply, maybe it should have been right. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I, I certainly would never profess to, uh, that, that, that my opinion has the intelligence or experience behind it in these coronavirus scenarios that, that my comments may even be sensible or credible, but I can imagine the number of perspectives out there from the different folks that have been impacted by you know, the government's reaction to this. But it's the same as, to me, it's similar to what the consumers would respond to, to a carrier's cap plan or lack thereof, right? Uh, how, you know, how, how can a carrier call up somebody and say, you know, I think I'm going to have 10,000 claims. I need 600 adjusters and and all these materials, and I need to truck things in. I need to create a village, and, and then the reality is, you only get 500 claims. Um, are, is that what we're doing now? Are we saying everybody stay in your house? And you know, did we go to DefCon Five overnight? And um, schools are closing, and the economy's hurting. And I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if that's the right thing. I probably will never know. And again, I I'm just it's my own perspective. But it just seems like we got there. We got to this pretty darn quick um 
I, th- I think there should have been s- some difference there. I don't know what their triggers were. You know, we don't know what projections they have and how they're responding to them. Um, but you know, those are things that we do as an industry, right? We understand what our exposure is as the yeah. event's coming. We yeah. model it before it actually happens. We try to do the best as we can before, but there's there's some events that are so they're so huge that you just it didn't you know. This, sometimes these things are one in a million. And you just don't model for them and they hit us and we have to scramble and do the best that we can with what we plan for. Um, so sometimes those happen. We just, we hope those don't happen um, often enough, but um, so you can only model for those that you think are most likely to happen based on your exposure and, and historical patterns. Um, so, so it's easy for us to model. I, I don't know how you model for something like this, but I'll bet you, you can. Um, I bet you, you can, but, um, so what, how has, uh, how have you guys responded? Have you, are, is your workforce working from home? Is that the basic, uh, the, the basic, um, playbook that you're following? Yep. Yes. Um, so from a, from a claims department perspective, we started off as a claims department small and we were all remote. We didn't have brick and mortar. We didn't actually open our claims office until January of this year um, here in the Jacksonville, Florida area. So before that, we handled things um, um, from our homes. So we're already and, – and half of our employees at Swift, um, we have employees all over the country. We have some in Canada. Um, half our workforce works remote already. Um, so I, I, we were very prepared just to say, Hey, you know what? I, I say, I told my folks, we're gonna go back to the old days and the old ways, even though that was like 90 days ago. Um, so we're all going to go work. We're all going to go work from home again until this, this subsides. So, so that's good. So, but we had some learnings also, right? So we, we have brick and mortar, our, our corporate headquarters out of Morristown, New Jersey. We print all of our checks out of there. Um, you know, whether it's a claim check or commission check or a vendor check, whatever it is, we print checks out of there. And then when you tell everybody to get the heck out of the office, what do you do with that check printer? Who's going to take it home with them? And then how do you, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of compliance issues now with putting a check and a check printer, or a micro uh, printer in somebody's house. Right. Um, you know, so, so these are all things you have to like, holy hell, I would never have thought that from a hurricane perspective. I'm, I'm okay. Cause I could have taken a micro printer and put it in my Jacksonville office or my Tallahassee office because that office, but what happens when all the offices are gone? Right. So, um, you know, so, so now you start thinking about, okay, we need to, we need to change that aspect of how we do business from now on. So I know for myself, from a claims perspective for 2021, I had a strategy, digital payment strategy, kind of mapped out things I want to do. And I want to get to that point. I don't want to print any more checks unless I have to. Um, and that's what I want, but, but we're not there yet. And that's from the claims perspective. Sometimes you can't do that in claims until the rest of the company's doing that because of a systems or processes. Um, um, challenge, if you will. But, you know, how can we outsource something like this? How can we outsource our check printing to some remote location somewhere, uh, as well as our printing and our mail processing, which I've done in, in, in with prior companies, but you're still going to get the same challenge. Okay. What happens if they, va- they vacate <laughs> right. those buildings? Right. So, yeah, right. Right? right. So how do you solve for those Space things? This, this like I said earlier, is you can only model for so much. How do you expect, yeah. I mean, no one expected this, that everybody has to work from home and now you've got compliance issues and health issues and 
and and not everybody should be working from their home. And, and there, some people fare better when they work in an office environment um, and they're able to integrate with other people and ask questions and get support and have that network. And all of a sudden, you take all these folks, you put them out of their homes. You would think, ah, oh, that's great. I'm, I, I myself personally and professionally am more productive at home than I am in an office because um, I can get more me work done, right? I'm not constantly sitting in somebody's office asking them questions or there's, or vice versa. But there are a lot of folks out there that that probably will not succeed working from home versus an office environment. So now you have those challenges also. So there are a lot of learnings, I think, not just for us as Swift, but probably for a lot of businesses out there. I think that this also will push the ball forward. Like we've had some of our customers say to us, no more no more in um internal inspections only external only outside uh, no more inside and right. anything inside will have to be done virtually with the homeowner uh helping to do that or facilitating it if you will and uh i think that this situation push will push forward some things that you know the industry hasn't has been was very interested in, but maybe a little sluggish going forward. And, you know, I was going to ask you that question too. In full disclosure, we work for you guys and we work for you in Texas. And I mean, if there was a big cat in Texas, we would be dealing with that very question. Do people want an, an interior inspection? And, and, and what, what's your, we'll, we'll just pin you to that on the, on the podcast. What's your, what's your answer? So how, how we're dealing with that right now is um, we're here for the consumer's benefit. And the consumer does owe us um, an obligation. They, they, they have a duty to provide us access to inspect the damages. But I, I, you know, just, because, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? So just because I, I, I can claim that, that right to get into your house and take a look at it doesn't mean I necessarily should. Um, I think what matters at, during this time is that we just we do everything we can to help the consumer mitigate their loss. If the consumer says I, I, I can't uh, for for whatever reason, maybe they have the virus or they're just scared to death of somebody else that they don't know comes in and 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 is a carrier of the virus. We we completely understand. And I, I think if you work with the consumer and say, hey, here are the important things. You really have to get this taken care of. Um, can, can you and, – and going back to technology, can you take some pictures? We, you, know, you can take a picture and upload it to your claim file you know, um, using, using Link with Symbility, for example. And I know there's other applications out there that have the same functions and features. Take pictures, do a video, um, you know, to do all that for me, and I can at least figure out what's going on. And if you can mitigate, we're going to say, hey, look, when you're – when you're ready, and, and you let us know, and we'll send somebody out there to take a look at the rest of the claim and figure out what the permanent repairs will be. So, so it's a disruption in everybody's lives. Um, you know, despite the technology, we're all people that use the technology and help other people, and we can relate because we're working from home now, trying to tell them, and they're probably working from home also. How do you deal with this? So. Yeah. It, it's a great, I think it's a great consumer community um, opportunity. Um, and I, I think that um, you have more tolerance and more, or, or not tolerance, maybe, maybe leniency as to what you actually require to get this done. But, you know, I, I, unfortunately, you're also going to have those, those folks that will use the, 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 the virus as a way to avoid um, doing the right thing. 
Um, so there, there's there's that in you know the, the industry fights constantly with an element of fraud. But I, I I think you give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I I know here at Swift we've already come up with a plan to do that. There's there's a letter we send out or an email I should say. We don't actually print and mail things, but we give them a communication and say, hey, let us know. We'll follow up with you here in a couple of days or in two weeks or, or whatever they would prefer us to do. And, and you have to continue to be proactive on that. You can't just say, oh, coronavirus. Okay, well, when this whole thing clears sometime in the next 19 months, give us a holler. Um, I still think you help that consumer deal with the issue um, of the damage from that loss while also help them deal with that the issue of the of the coronavirus fears that, that a lot of folks are, are feeling right now. Uh, one of the other uh, claim leaders that I spoke to yesterday was talking about fraud and that if this does go on, that as we all know, that sometimes people look at their insurance policies in it as a way to access some cash should they need it if things are hard enough. And these are all the questions and unknowns that our near-term future hold for us, but us uh, in the claim side of this business probably need to be aware of, uh, a little more aware of fraud going forward over the next couple of months than, than, than maybe we've seen otherwise. Right. Yeah. You know, as, uh, as we bring this to a close, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out there to everybody, everybody who is having to stay home, who has been affected by this. Uh, we really, you know, we really, uh, are thinking about everybody during this time and hope everybody can stay safe and, and do what they can for their families. Um, and John, we, we want to thank you for being on today. We want to thank you for coming on and sharing with us what all what all you've been doing uh, and a little bit about you know your thoughts around the virus and everything that everybody's dealing with. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for the privilege to be on this time. Right. We'll talk to you next time. All right, all. Thank you. I really enjoy John. He's a really smart guy who knows his business. Yeah. And I can tell that he must be having a great time uh, building this thing now. Yeah. I mean, think about the the task that he had uh, to to go in and build this entire claim department. And he's made a lot of changes in the mm-hmm. past year right? Uh, from, from TPAs to desk. I mean, all sorts of things. Right. Uh, dabbling with technologies like drones. Um, it, it's a really neat job that he gets to do. And he's doing a great job, it seems like. Right. And we have a front row seat. Right, because we work for them and get to see a lot of these things. But uh, you know, they they started with a with using a TPA to handle basically to run their claim to be their claim department. Right, and John has effectively brought it inside. And not only are they has he brought it inside, but he's also kind of increased its its um, its its capability and ability. Yeah, it's and bandwidth. Yeah, it's bandwidth. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. They're doing a great well, job. They're doing a great job. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's, always, it's, always good, always good to get a visit with him. It's good to visit with him. And, you know, in some of our interviews, we've talked to people that think that direct to consumer is maybe the, the, there's opinions that that's the most important part of insure tech, certainly the most visible with companies like Lemonade and Hippo and whatnot and Swift, where, uh, these companies are going, uh, uh, are making their product direct to consumer. Although, Many are using agents, as we right. know, and we heard about today. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the place for an agent is still very important. Um, some disagree. Some do agree. 
but what we do know is that a lot of times whenever you have a claim or you're interested in changing your policy, many people reach out to their agents uh, and they start there. And, and you had said that, right? You had started looking around and you start with your agent. And I was looking for some uh, certain type of insurance the other day and I, I wrote my agent uh, just to get a baseline. So there's still a, still a very important need there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we thank John for being with us and great to check in with us. Uh, and uh, we're busy this week. We have several uh, podcasts recording as we shelter in place. Yeah. Um, you shelter in place a little less. You kind of shelter down the street. Is that fair to say? Well, our our shelter in place when it goes into effect at midnight tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are uh, doing quite a bit different now. But yes, uh, you could say I'm still at our office and it's me in this giant building. And it's a, a little bit scary. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is. Well, well, listen, if need be, call 911. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate that advice. Okay, okay. And if you want to text me to call 911 for you, I will. So, I appreciate um, it. I'm sure you would do it speedily. I would. Is that a Expeditiously. word? Expeditiously. Uh, I don't know. Is misheard a word? I <laughs> did I mishear you but yes <laughs> you must have misheard me okay uh we want to thank you all for being with us and we we honestly sincerely wish good health and safety for everybody who's listening to this and of course for we're marking these for posterity because in a year when all of this is over god willing we'll all look back on these and listen to them and say oh yeah that's back when um, we were in the, the pandemic. So please be safe, take care of yourselves, be good to each other, and join us next time on FNO Insure Tech, where we always say, Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>